that's the financial update. I also get to introduce our guest speaker today, who's all the way from Istanbul, Turkey. Brian, why don't you, why don't you come up here? Amazing. So this is my friend and, uh, and actual classmate at Every Nation Seminary, uh, Brian Milligan. And he also pastors uh, the, our Every Nation Church in Istanbul. And the reason why he's here is because our church is forming more and more of a partnership with this church. Because you guys probably know, at this point now, we're sending, we sent a team to Turkey last year. Another one is going in a few weeks, actually. And so Brian's actually here to deepen the partnership between these two churches. He's actually part of the training for the Turkey team that's happening after church. When does the, you know, when does the church that we're going to come here to train us? It's kind of a bit of a luxury. But anyways, uh, I won't go on too much about it because a big part of Brian's message today is explaining the vision of why our churches are partnering. And I think, I mean, I was in Surrey this morning and got to hear his heart and uh, uh, listen for the, the, the kingdom-centeredness of, of, what, of what Brian is doing with his church in Istanbul. And I think he has a lot to impart to us here today. And I'm excited for this partnership to keep deepening. So let me pray for you. Uh, Father, thank you for Brian. And for the work that's going on in Istanbul, oh my goodness, all the stories. We're going to hear some today. And I pray that it would raise our faith of what you're able to do. Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done through your church. And I pray that this message would be a, a giant leap forward again, even for us here, as uh, Brian gives us uh, his heart, which is so evidently your heart. Uh, yeah, bless him. Uh, be with him as he shares. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jonathan, and it's such a huge privilege for me to be here. My son is also here, but he's back at the house. Uh, thank you very much, Pastor Greg and Miss Debbie, uh, for your kindness and for welcoming us here and for uh, trusting me to share to your congregation. We had an amazing time uh, in Surrey today. Uh, and I also just wanted to thank those of you who've already been out to Turkey. Um, Glenn and Carol uh, assembled a team and came out last year. They were tremendously impactful. Bea was there, and Andrea. Anybody in the, in the room who I may not have noticed? You were with us on the trip last year. I think that was all that I saw. Um, and it was amazingly impactful. What was interesting is there we are in Istanbul in a country that is 99% Muslim, um, but your team from here in Vancouver, Canada, came and trained us in how to do better at Muslim ministry. Don't you love how the kingdom of God works? I'm going to show you a little bit more about how the kingdom of God is working in our context. It's never what we expect, but somehow there is a, there's a grace of evangelism and outreach and love to people of other faiths in this church and in this city, and it's so precious. And when uh, Glenn and Carol and the team came over, we received an impartation of that, and we've seen tremendous growth since that, that happened. Uh, and what they shared, we immediately began to put into practice, and we've seen fruit as a result of it. And what, what that did in my heart was, I was like, wow, God, if, if they've got some go, something going on over here and we're doing it in Istanbul, there's got to be a strong connection between our churches. And I really felt that. Uh, and in my prayers and my devotion time, I was praying and, and I felt God say, you need to go to Vancouver. You need to meet the church there. And I want it to be the face that you can see, you, that, that we're not this distant every nation church out there in the Middle East, I mean, technically it's Europe, but it's still very Middle Eastern in a way. I wanted you to say that we're every nation family just as you are. We're, we may just be in a different part, but we've got the same heart, the same vision, the same power of the Holy Spirit, uh, and the same zeal for the Lord and, and for his kingdom. 
Uh, and we just, we're so grateful that we get to partner with you. We want you to send many, many teams as often as possible and continue to be a great impact. And we want to know how we can be a blessing to you um, out here too. And some of you can also move there. <laughs> it's totally fine. You will break the heart of your pastors. But this is a good lesson for you to learn how to let go. We'll, we'll take anybody, especially your best. Okay, so just send us your best. <laughs> and that'll be good for us. Okay, we're going to jump on into the message now. But I'm going to start off with a kind of quiz, an incomplete verse. And you have to tell me what the blank says. So, oh, actually, I'm going to start with my family, aren't I? Okay, so let me show a picture of my family. Mustn't forget those. Um, this is us. Uh, that's me in the middle. And can you guess where my wife is from? Any guesses? The Philippines. She's from the Philippines. I was born in Zimbabwe in Africa. My parents are English and Irish. They went out there in the 60s to do mining and nursing. Uh, my brothers and I were born out there. Then I went to university in South Africa, and that's where I joined the Every Nation family. Anybody going to the World Conference in Cape Town? It's one of the few cities that competes with Vancouver in terms of beauty. It is amazing. It's an amazing place. I highly encourage you to go. That's where I went to university. Then when I graduated, I wanted to see Asia, so I moved to Singapore and joined our Every Nation Church there. My wife was in our Philippines church. She moved over to Singapore to work. Uh, we, we started leading the youth together. We were leading the creative arts group together. We were doing kids' church together. We ended up working in the same company together. And we just thought, let's just do the whole of life together. Why not? Seeing as we're so much tied in. Um, and then just six months after we got married, we got the call to come to Istanbul to plant our Every Nation Church there. So we were sent out from our Singapore church of all places. Um, but we have two kids too. Uh, and my, our son is Morgan. Uh, he's 15. Uh, and my daughter, Kyra, she's turning 13 on Saturday. So I, I, we're leaving on Friday to get back just in time to say happy birthday and kiss her goodnight because we'll get there just before midnight probably um, on her birthday. We, we gained a lot of time on our way here. We had our Friday on our way here was like 36 hours long or something like that. Um, and the next Friday that we have going back is going to be like this short or the Saturday we're going to miss completely. Anyway, let's jump into that scripture which I said has a blank missing from it. And uh, let's read it together. This gospel of blank will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Who can tell me what that blank says? Just shout it out. Again? Peace? Nice try. Almost, almost there. Close. Very close. Anybody else? This is Jesus talking, by the way. It's good to know what he has to say. Yep. Community, like that. Unity, I also like that. It's just not what he said. <laughs> These are great answers. Truth is a nice one. Harmony, love, joy, world, peace. Huh? The kingdom. Okay, I love that one. All right. So Bear can show the, the real answer. This gospel of the kingdom, Jesus is saying, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Normally when I ask people this, they say, this gospel of salvation. Now, I don't know if you grew up this way, but that's how, that's how I was raised when I became a believer at age 14. The very first time I heard anybody preach a message on the kingdom was when I was 26 in an every nation church. But when you flip through the gospels and you read what Jesus had to say about the kingdom, 
He never said the gospel of anything except the gospel of the kingdom. And I think a lot of the church has just called it the gospel of salvation. We think the whole message is just salvation, don't we? We think that the whole point of what Jesus did was salvation. But what Jesus said is way more than that. And we're going to unpack that a little bit in a, in a bit. But what he, at, at this time in Matthew chapter 24, he's getting very close to the crucifixion. And he's talking about what is going to happen between now and the end times. In fact, this chapter in some of your Bibles might be called signs of the end of the age. He's talking about end times. But Jesus in this verse is giving us a glimpse of what our job is supposed to be until he comes back. Right? Then the end will come. We have to go and share his gospel of the kingdom to the whole planet before he comes back. So he is literally looking down from heaven, probably with a very high-tech animated map of the globe with all the people groups marked out. And he's saying, has this nation heard the gospel? Has this people group received the gospel of the kingdom? Has the kingdom been manifest in that place? Are my people going to the nations and taking the kingdom because he is not coming back until we've done our job. And if we never do it, he isn't ever coming back. Because this is, these are his words, this is his promise. This gospel of the kingdom has to be preached to all the world before I make it back. And he's not going to shortcut that. So he's really dependent on us doing our job. And I sometimes wonder... If we're preaching the gospel of salvation only to the whole world, does that count? What if we get it wrong? And have we shortcutted the gospel in some way, but Jesus is depending on us to share our part and do our part so that he can return victoriously? You know, you talked about the resurrection last week, of course, and it's not part of this message, but you know that when Jesus ascended into heaven... The disciples just like watched him go, and you can imagine the surprise on their faces like this. Jesus didn't really do that that often. Walking on water was super cool, but ascending into heaven, like that was next level, okay? That was amazing. So they're like watching him rise up and get into the clouds, and they were still standing there <laughs> flabbergasted like, oh, what did he just do? Is he coming back? This is not what we expected. He rose from the dead, but now he's really gone, and... They were just so, like they were like statues staring up into the sky. So much so that Jesus had to assign angels to like snap them out of it. And the angels were there like, dudes, hello, wake up. The angels literally said, what are you guys doing standing there staring into the sky? Don't you know that this same Jesus is going to return in the same way? And I believe that the reason the angels were like waking them up was because they had a job to do and they had to start this job because he ascended and now it's our turn to do our part so that when we're done, he can come back and he's gonna come back gloriously, not the way that, that, that he came as a baby, but he's gonna come back and the whole world will know. But those angels had to say, disciples, get moving. Let's get this thing started and we are the continuation of that. The whole reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because every previous generation hasn't finished the job. I hope we can do a better job. I hope we can do our part. Amen? So let's break this down. 
What is the kingdom? The kingdom very simply is the domain of the king. So where Jesus is the king in that place, that's his kingdom. And it starts in our hearts. You know, the kingdom is, is within us. Isn't that true? If you are born again, the kingdom is, is within you. Because uh, that favorite phrase that we have as wacky, charismatic, Pentecostal types, born again, it, was, it came from Jesus talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We know it really well. But this is how he prefaced it. He said, anybody who wants to enter the kingdom of heaven must be born again. He didn't say anyone who wants to get saved. Have you ever heard an altar call? Anybody want to enter the kingdom of heaven? Come and get born again. But that's what Jesus said. And that's what he meant. So when you were born again, anyone born again in the house? Okay, now I want to teach you something I learned in Singapore during my time there. It's called no shy shy. So I don't want you to be shy, okay? I might ask you questions back and forth. I kind of like vibe on that. So any born again types in here? There they are, no shy, shy. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel, okay? Uh, we've made that decision. You were born again into the kingdom when you were born again. You were born again into the kingdom. How much of the kingdom are you living? How much of the kingdom are you thinking about? Do we even understand the kingdom that we're in? Jesus has come and taken up dominion in our hearts. He's our king. But he wanted that kingdom to spread to the whole world. And I kind of feel, do you agree with me? The church has dropped the ball on the kingdom. We're good at talking about salvation, but are we really talking about the kingdom? Do we really understand it? You know, coming here, my, my son and I driving around, it's only our second time in Canada, and you have such a beautiful country. It's really stunning. Uh, the first trip we went to Montreal, and, and now first time to Vancouver. One of the things that struck me, though, is how British it is. Of course, we're in British Columbia. And I was thinking if you had given it a better name, maybe the weather would have been better. But, I mean, if you call it British Columbia, you're going to get a British weather, aren't you? It's raining again. So, anyway, if you had called it Saharan Columbia, maybe it would have been nice and warm and toasty. Or just plain old Columbia. That would have been like, that would have been warm all year round, okay? But anyway, you had to get the British part in there. But... Uh, and then we see lots of streets, you know, places called Victoria and Prince Edward Road and Victoria Street and all of these. Even Surrey, where we were this morning, uh, is English. The fact that you, we're all speaking English as well, this is, of course, a legacy. And Canada is one of the Commonwealth countries. And Great Britain has a new king. But what I realize is the influence of his kingdom is visible all over here. But his influence is fading. Isn't that true? I'm sure there's a lot of Canadians who love to follow the royal family and all the, all the stuff that goes on, and they've given us a lot to work on recently, you know, a lot to talk about. But the royal family's influence out here is waning. The kingdom is waning. And I wonder about our churches. Are we very good at putting up signs, Jesus is king, outside? Or maybe our church could be called Jesus the King Church. But is he really king in our lives? How much is the influence of our king in our lives? How much is the influence of our king in our city, in our nation? Where I was born, Zimbabwe in Africa, it's known to be one of the most Christian nations in the world. Something like 95% of people are Christians. But the impact of the church on life and government is almost zero. It's one of the most corrupt countries in the world. 
The government is terribly corrupt. The church has no impact outside of its walls because it's not a church of the kingdom. It's just a church of the chosen frozen. Where all we do is like, we're just insular and focused on ourselves, but without any impact in our society at all. I don't believe that that's what God wanted. Speaking of Zimbabwe and the royal family. So when I was younger, when I was a teenager, the queen herself was going to come out to Zimbabwe. And there's the second largest town out there is called Bulawayo. And that's where we were living nearby there. The queen was supposed to come to Bulawayo. So the city spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars fixing the roads and the road signs and the traffic lights. They even painted all of the parking meters, which I noticed you have here in this country too. So they painted all of those and spent all that money and the queen changed her mind. She didn't come to our town. She went to just the main city and that, that was all she had, you know, driving by in her, in her car. Yes, yes, yes. She's kind of, she kind of waves to herself, doesn't she? Yes. My subjects, yes, indeed. Oh, bless her, you know, she's moved on. But, <laughs> but do you see the connection? What about us as Christians? What about us as churches? Are we all nicely decorated, but the king hasn't come? The king's not there. It's a beautiful building. It's a beautiful facade. Everything is painted. It looks good. But how much is Jesus king? What about our lives? Are we doing all the good Christian stuff on the outside, but is Jesus king in our lives? What about our nations? Are our churches just living insular and focused on ourselves? Or are we really bringing the kingdom where we go? Because do you know that we carry the kingdom wherever we go? If you carry the Holy Spirit in you, you're carrying the kingdom of God. And he wants out. He wants to impact those around us. The kingdom should never have been kept for ourselves. So this gospel of the kingdom, we can break it down little by little. It needs to be preached. That's the next thing. We have to proclaim not just the gospel of salvation, but the gospel of the kingdom. We have to let people know about it. Do you know that you can tolerate, tolerance is a nice big word out here, isn't it? You can tolerate and even love people to hell. You can love, 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 love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, and they go to hell. Because you never tell them the truth. Is it true? Without the truth, people do not change. If they don't hear what the Bible says, if they don't hear what the gospel is about, if they don't understand Jesus and what he was about, they cannot change because only the truth can change people. And you can cushy them and give them the nicest possible, comfortable, sweetest, most wonderful life you could imagine and send them on to hell for eternity. Similarly, but I guess in the opposite, you can truth somebody to hell. Truth, 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 a loveless truth. And they will be hearing the truth, hearing the gospel. You need to change. You need to change. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You need to change. You're going to hell. But a loveless gospel also is not going to have any impact. That's why we need to speak to people the truth in love. And we have to demonstrate the truth, but we also have to demonstrate love as well. And that's how we can really love people. That's how we can really change them and see them impacted. And this gospel has to be, this gospel of the kingdom has to be a testimony. You know, Jesus said to his disciples many times, freely you have received, freely give. We cannot disciple what we don't have. 
You cannot impart what you're not walking in. So are we living the kingdom life? Are we living in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we living in, in freedom? Are we living in blessing and abundance? We're not talking about material things, but an abundance of Him, joy and peace and love and kindness. Are we living that kingdom life where the world could be falling, up, falling apart around us, but we're secure in Him. We know who our King is. We live in His economy. We live in, in His jurisdiction. We live in His constitution. Are we living in that? If we're not, we cannot impart it to anybody else. You know, the disciples said, we cannot stop sharing about what we've seen and heard. We have to be living the testimony. And this gospel of the kingdom has to be a testimony to everybody who sees it. And then I'm going to combine the next two. In the whole world to the nations. This gospel of the kingdom has to get out to every nation. And it sounds like it started in Jerusalem and spread, you know, to Samaria and Judea and then the whole world. But now, after all these years, it's getting pretty complicated. And what I'm realizing is this gospel is bouncing back and forward to the nations. And the Lord is really looking for who is going to carry my kingdom wherever they go. Who are going to be my kingdom carriers just here in this amazingly multi-ethnic nation? Because what I've realized is because maybe we didn't go to the nations, think this through with me, Maybe because we didn't go to the nations, God has sent the nations to us. They're at your doorstep. They're across the hall. They live next door. Isn't this true? And this gives us a wonderful opportunity to fulfill this commission that Jesus gave us by not even going anywhere just by talking to the person next to us, just by speaking to our own neighbors. And it's amazing who God is using. I'm going to share some pictures and some stories, and you'll just see crazily how, how God is doing it. But, you know, Syria and Iraq have had this civil war for more than 10 years now. About 5.5 million people fled the war and got into Turkey, got into Europe, some of them, excuse me, and then Europe paid Turkey 10 billion euros to keep the refugees in Turkey. So we still have three and a half million of them. But the ones who got through into Germany and into France and, and the UK and others, suddenly the churches who have been fast asleep for decades in Europe had to wake up. Because now there's all of these people on their doorstep. They never went to the Middle East. They never took the gospel there. Now the Middle East has come to them and suddenly the church has to wake up and be like, what do we do with these guys? What do we do with all these refugees? And actually it was a good thing. They woke up. And similarly with the Ukraine war, did you know that just up until the time of the war, the church in Ukraine was the fastest growing in Europe by far. We have seven churches in Ukraine. Now most of our churches in Europe are struggling, but our Ukrainian churches were booming. They have huge open doors to the high schools. And our church was just growing. In fact, some, we have something like 19 church members who have been sent to the front line to fight. But our church there was thriving. I kind of think this was kind of Satan's agenda behind the whole thing. We need to kind of slow down the church. But it always backfires because the Ukrainians have gone into Europe. In fact, I went to visit my father in Ireland who lives there now. We couldn't find a hotel to stay in in Dublin because the hotels were all filled with Ukrainians who escaped the war. 
So they've gone all that way. And in Turkey, we just received 100,000 Ukrainian refugees from the conflict. And many of them are believers and are carrying the gospel with them and they are converting the people that are housing them. And those who aren't are meeting Christians and they are the ones becoming believers. So the Lord is like, my gospel of the kingdom has to go out somewhere, somehow, and if the church is not going, I'm gonna have to mobilize the pre-believers to get to where the churches are. It's just a lot easier if we listen to Jesus and obey then. We go, we go and follow him. But what does this kingdom look like? Because I can talk about this for hours. But Jesus said when he was starting his ministry, do you remember he went to the synagogue in Capernaum? It's right on the edge of, of the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. And he opened up the scroll of Isaiah and he said, do you guys want to know why I'm here? And this short passage describes exactly what the kingdom that we live in is supposed to look like. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. It's really the Holy Spirit through which the kingdom moves. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There's the gospel element. But it doesn't end there. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. We have had, our little church in Istanbul, we have had eight prisoners. It's incredible. I'm like, Lord, I didn't ask for this, but they've been coming anyway and seeing their life transformed. You should hear their stories. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus actually stopped there. He didn't talk about the vengeance part, if you look in the Gospels. Um, but then it continues, to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Are we really bringing the kingdom so far into people's lives that we're seeing transformation? The oil of joy instead of mourning. And this works in the afternoon and the evening as well. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The gospel of the kingdom doesn't just proclaim salvation. But it says, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to anoint you through the power of the Holy Spirit in me. We are going to see transformation in your life. And then that transformed individual takes the kingdom to those around them. Isn't that true? What does the kingdom look like? It is living by the power of the Holy Spirit and carrying him with us and his power and seeing transformation in the lives of other people and other people. Proclaiming the good news, which is sharing the gospel, binding up the brokenhearted, which is bringing healing, bringing hope to the prisoners, bringing love, which is meeting needs. Now I just want to jump in and show you Practically speaking, how we in Istanbul are trying to fulfill this mandate. So you're just going to hear lots of stories of lots of individuals. I want to show you a picture of our church, which will be up next. Are we there? Excellent. Okay, this is what our church looks like. Uh, we're about 50 people every week, right in the heart of the financial district in Istanbul. Um, and we have about 30 different nations there. We have Canadians. You'll meet one of them uh, in a short while. We have Africans and Central Americans and South Americans and Europeans and New Zealander and Chinese and Taiwanese and who knows what else. It's like the whole world is, is coming to Istanbul. It's really amazing. Um, this couple here is an Iranian man married to a Ukrainian in our church. They got married last year. If you want to pick two dangerous nations not to be in, pick those two. And they moved to Istanbul. She came to Istanbul and, and married her, her husband there. And they are leaders in our church. And I wanted to tell you about the woman, Darina. 
she was in a, a small group with my wife, and she said, you know what? There's one, God tells us to love people. There's people from only one country in the world that I don't love. And you can imagine as Ukrainian, she didn't really love Russians. No offense to any Russians in here. But she said, Lord, I want to love them. Will you send some to our church? So the, that was on a Friday. That Sunday, Russians came into our church. You know them because they're outside and then they come in very fast. They rush in. What would British Columbia be without some British humor? Okay, I, I came to bring it. <laughs> so she prayed and the Lord said two, two uh, pairs of Russians. One was, this is how the kingdom works, guys. A Cameroonian man, tall black guy, married to a Russian woman and their kids. And he happens to be a pastor in Russia. And this other couple, a girl from Siberia, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, of course, and, and her boyfriend. Now, I preached a very strong message about Jesus being the only way that day. And I found out that her Russian boyfriend was actually Turkish and he lives just around the corner from the church. And then he started coming back and he asked me tons and tons of questions. I answered his questions. I used the DBS method, which I learned from Glenn and Carol and their team actually just like a couple of weeks before. And after just four weeks, he had two dreams where Jesus met him personally. And he said, okay, Jesus, if you're going, <laughs> if you, I mean, it's hard to say no. When he meets you, steps into your bedroom in the middle of the night and, and, and he like points you out. So he said, Jesus, if you're chasing after me in that way, yes, I will believe. He grew up a Muslim. He became an atheist. By the time he met Jesus, he was a deist. But he came in because one of our Ukrainians prayed for a Russian, the Russian his girlfriend came and brought the Turk to our church so that he could get saved. And there he is. He's the one with the white towel. That's me in my blue towel. Uh, that's him in the white towel. His name is Yeet, which is my son's favorite American term, Yeet. Um, but it's also a Turkish name. Just got baptized in our church like four weeks ago, I guess. Next to him, behind him is a man from Nigeria. Next to him is an Iranian man called Muhammad Reza. So we thought that was quite nice, you know. Baptizing somebody called Muhammad is always a bonus. And the other girl is um, Ayla. She's also a Turkish woman, uh, 23 years old, just recently came to faith. Then, then the next one, uh, this, this group, I just wanted to show you, they're mostly Iranians. The girl in yellow and black is a Brazilian. She's a full-time worker. The guy on the extreme right is a Russian. He came to Turkey to protest against the war in Russia because you cannot do it there. And standing next to him in the protest was our Ukrainian friend, Darina. So she met him, brought him to church. Now he's coming to church uh, and he's, I think he's saved. If not, he's very, very close. And then the guy in the middle with the gray hoodie, his name is Aram and his ethnicity is Aramaic. Now there's two major people groups in the world that don't have their own country, the Aramaic, people group and the uh, like the Assyrian people group and the Aramaic who speak Aramaic and the Kurdish and there are 36 million Kurds in the world they don't have their own country 18 million of them live in Turkey but this guy Aram his mother tongue is Aramaic and if you're unaware that was Jesus's first language too so I'm like so jealous of this guy he can read the New Testament in Aramaic and get all of the cultural nuances and language and everything like that. I'm like, wow, and he speaks amazing English, amazing Turkish, and he speaks Arabic as well. 
He's, the, he's 22. He's the only believer in his family. And most of these, they're just the only believer in their families as well. Um, our Iranians have just not, who get saved, they're never able to go back to Iran ever again after meeting Jesus. What, what it would be like, how many people come to Canada and get PRs and citizenship and things like that? What if that was the cost to you? In order to know Jesus, you need to give up your citizenship and never return home. These guys willingly do it. And then the next one is uh, four guys who have recently come to our church. The guy in the front is Reza. He escaped national service in Iran. Please don't take pictures of my pictures, by the way. It's, uh, we normally blot out their faces. But he, he literally walked through the mountains to get into Turkey. He was caught and arrested, put in a camp, eventually released. In the camp, he met Jesus and became a believer. And from that moment on, all he ever does is share the gospel with people and walks on, goes through that adventure. The guy just behind him is from Pakistan, also on fire for Jesus. The tall guy in the middle is Jakob. He is from Uzbekistan. And he's not yet a believer, but he's very, very close and he's coming to church all the time. I prayed for him two Sundays ago, and there were just floods of tears as the Holy Spirit touched him. The guy next to him is an Afghan. Uh, his name is Ramen. I remember it because it sounds like noodles to me. And he is absolutely on fire for Jesus, became a believer in Afghanistan, escaped because the Taliban was getting closer and closer to Kabul, came to Turkey, and all he does is share with people. He's the one who brought these guys to church. And next to him is another Iranian guy who's also not yet saved, but he's living the dangerous life of coming to church every week. So I think it's just a matter of time. And then just to show you how the Lord is working in the nations, on his right, the man in blue is from New Zealand. And he's come all the way to our nation, and he's being used by the Lord to, to share the gospel and bring the kingdom in that place too. And as life would have it, he's married to a woman from Taiwan, who we, we will meet in subsequent pictures. Um, but I want to show you a little video. I'm going to change um, tracks right now in a second. And we want to talk about our response to the earthquake uh, that, that, that recently happened on February the 6th. We had two huge earthquakes that shook the place. We've had more than 13 million people who were affected. Um, the biblical city of Antioch is 60% destroyed. People are saying it may never be rebuilt. It's like so much damage. Thousands of people died and so on. But we as a church realized we have to respond to this. Uh, and so you'll see a quick video about that. And then I'm going to introduce uh, a friend of ours as well. Can we roll that? Thank you.
And can you show the next picture, please? Bea, thank you. So we, uh, there we are giving uh, physical aid to people, whatever needs we have. We have, Every Nation has set up a giving fund, which you can find on the everynation.org website, for people all around the world giving, and then the money literally comes to us, and then we have to steward that to, to meet their needs. And we have a tiny church, this, the place that we went where um, a lot of people have had to evacuate the earthquake zone, and they moved to their surrounding cities, and one of those cities is called Mersin. It's right on the Mediterranean Sea. It's a very beautiful place. That's where we were, where all this took place. And 400,000 people have arrived in that city. And it's a city of a million. Imagine a 40% increase in your city. And they're all now competing for the same jobs, competing for the same homes. The prices of rental have increased 300% uh, because of that. Um, and our church in Mersin is a church of refugees from Iran. Now, they escaped Iran because they became believers and started a church. And now they're overwhelmed by people, literally some of them living in the house with them. The rest of them across the street or in the park. Um, people who are much worse off than them. Their life was already difficult. And many of the people who were in the earthquake zone were refugees already from Syria who lost everything in the war. Then they rebuilt their lives in Turkey. And then in 90 seconds, everything was destroyed. And now they have to find themselves with nothing. Some of them have even lost their ID cards in the rubble. They, can't, they cannot even prove to the government who they are. So literally escaped with nothing but their lives and what they were wearing at that time. Uh, and now they've moved out of that zone and they're living right in that city, in the park. All those people that you saw, is 15 Syrian families and all of those kids. And they literally have nothing except the tents that people have bought for them. And we have provided some of those tents as well for them. We sent them down from Istanbul. They live in a tent on blankets and they have nothing else whatsoever. So we responded to them. Uh, and there's a whole lot of stories that we wanted to tell. Can you show the next one? Um, and this is us uh, interviewing one of the people. Uh, and I'd like to invite my friend Jordan to come on up here. The reason is he's from Abbotsford, uh, and he actually happens to know some of you as well. Uh, and he's been in our church since uh, October. He moved out to Istanbul, but he has come on out to serve God and bring the kingdom to that place. So I just wanted to give him two minutes just to share one of your own uh, to represent uh, you and to represent us as well about his life and his experience out there. Hey, everyone. Yeah, um, it's been a bit of a small world moment. I was uh, kind of kicked out of the country due to some visa issues, and Pastor Brian knew I was going to be in the area. He'd already planned this trip, and so he said, hey, if you are willing to stay a little bit longer, would you mind coming out uh, and joining us? So I actually wasn't able to be on that particular service trip that you just saw, which was uh, a disappointment. But, I mean, Raquel did a phenomenal job putting that together. But yeah, this, this image that you're seeing here is me interviewing a 14-year-old boy. I also interviewed um, his 8-year-old sister about kind of their experiences and how they lost everything uh, in the earthquake. And that's kind of been my, my calling since I was about 16 years old is bridging the gap in, uh, in the body of Christ. Because, you know, as Pastor Brian was saying during this, this message, you know, I, I kind of live my life with this expectation that there are still good people. You know, there are still, and we need to bring the kingdom, but we can only do that if we're united. We can only do that if we stay uh, together. But I realized shortly in my experience in missions that, um, you know, churches had no idea what was going on. And so I had to believe that if I could 
capture that on film and bring it to them in a way that could engage an audience. You know, I could inspire people to take action, whether that was going themselves or getting involved. And so I spent the last 10 years uh, traveling the world and using my camera to tell that story and, and hopefully getting people involved in spreading the kingdom, whether that's financially or going themselves or just being a part of the incredible story uh, that God is unfolding. And then as I was approaching the age of 30, I got tired and figured it was easier if I just moved over there and launched out from a place a little more central. And so that's where I am now. I'm in Istanbul. This was the first service trip that we did to, to Turkey in hopes of kind of sharing the light of what, um, how the earthquake really affected people, what we were doing about it, how people could get involved, um, in hopes of doing just that, in hopes of, of spreading the kingdom. Uh, so it's been an incredible honor, I think, being a part of every nation church. I mean, I, yeah, I started attending back in October and immediately just caught the vision, caught the heart, realized that, you know, this, this church lines up with my own personal philosophy of, you know, spreading love while communicating truth um, and, and spreading the message of the kingdom, which is what I've been trying to do with my, my videos this entire time. And so it's been uh, a joy to be able to kind of serve alongside every nation and kind of use my giftings uh, in that capacity. So yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. And if you go to our Every Nation worldwide website, everynation.org, and the giving page, you'll see Turkey there. And Jordan is the one who shot and produced and edited that the video that everybody can watch all about our earthquake relief over there. And it's just wonderful to, to hang out with you. Uh, I'm just going to, just a couple more pictures and then we'll, then we'll wrap up here. But I just have to tell you a few of these personal stories because for me, you know, I talked about this gospel going to the nations. But when you get to a nation, do you know who you meet? You meet individuals. You meet families. You know, when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, it's really hard to disciple a nation. But you disciple the individuals in that place. And that's Jesus' heart. Uh, so this over here, the, the Turkish man who recently became a believer, recently got baptized, this is him sharing the gospel with, um, that's, that's actually that girl is the sister of the guy in the previous picture who Jordan was interviewing. He also interviewed her. This new believer, this uh, person who actually wasn't even baptized in this because he got saved. It's like, let's go. We need you. Um, and there he is sharing the gospel with that little girl. Uh, and that is, that is actually the, our Iranian church right there in Mersin. Um, the next one, we went to buy a stove so that the people who are displaced could have something warm to stand by to keep them warm at night and can make tea. Uh, and we met this guy selling it. We found out that, that he had club feet when he was born and had multiple surgeries. So immediately, I was so proud of them. Immediately, my team just said, okay, sit down. We're going to pray for you. And we sat him down and they prayed for his feet. We didn't see a miracle, but I was just so proud of them that, that they were so bold to do so. We, we've got to carry the kingdom with us. And that means we've got to break some cultural norms because believe me, it's very, very weird to, to ask somebody in our context to pray, especially for healing. But weirdness is cool. We can get over weirdness. You know, my wife and I like to say that the wind blows in the weird and the wonderful into our church all the time. It's just a good thing you guys all fit into the wonderful category, most of you. So, and then we found out his wife was pregnant, so we grabbed her, sat her down, uh, and the team prayed for her too. Uh, and this is unusual, but we need to be the ones who are bringing the kingdom, bringing, and prayer is the number one way that you can bring the kingdom to somebody else. I've only ever had two people refuse prayer in many years. The first one was at the University of Cape Town in South Africa. He saw me coming a mile away and said, no, 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 I don't want to. 
And the second time was a Jewish man at an airport in Athens. And he was sitting there with a, a wrist brace on his hand. And I said, sir, I think you're going back to Israel, aren't you? And he said, yes. Could I pray for healing for your hand? He said, no. I said, but wouldn't you like to have healing in the name of Hashem, which is what they call God in Israel? He said, no. And his wife was like, let him pray, let him pray. No, I couldn't pray for him. But I've never had a Muslim say no. I've never had a Turkish person say no to prayer. And it's one of the most powerful ways that we can bring the kingdom. And this next picture, I wanted to boast about another Canadian, this guy from, not the next one, the next one from Edmonton. Um, that's him, Zach, and he's good friends with Jordan. He's the one who actually brought Jordan to our church uh, in the first place. So very proud of him. And he married a woman from Panama who he met out there. So I just want to show you how diverse and weird our church is, but the Lord knows what he's doing. Then the next picture, I just want to talk to you about some of these girls. You saw them in the video. So the next one, thank you. Um, in, let's see, on your extreme right is Mariam. And the man from New Zealand who was wearing the blue shirt earlier in a previous picture, he had a vision of a woman wearing a flower shirt called Miriam before he went on this trip. And he searched through the whole city, through the whole church, everywhere he went, and he found her that it was actually that little girl. And he found her at the Syrian park and he got to pray for her. And she's got two older sisters, the one in the red and the one in the gray, right in the middle. Um, and the, the one in the red, that well, their family is so amazing. Their father is a Muslim, their mother is a Christian. And that little girl in red, her name is Gazelle, and she is such a leader. She's basically leading all of those kids. And she said, I want to help. So the next, the next time we go, every time we go, we get her to help hand out the stuff that we have for the kids. Her sister Layla next to her wants to be an engineer when she grows up. And Miriam, the little one, just loves singing and dancing. That's her thing. Then the woman just a bit further to the left with the gray with the cap on. She's from Taiwan, married to the New Zealander. Uh, and that is their daughter on the right wearing white and pink. And she was our secret weapon. She is 10 years old. But we released her into this park with 15 Syrian families. She just rushed in, made friends right away, just loving them, serving them. And I assigned her, I said, her name is Psalm, like the, the books of the Bible, Psalm. I said, what do you think we should buy for the kids? I said, We've, whatever, whatever you think. And she individually picked out special items for all of these kids and said, this is what they need. She bought a backpack and sneaked it in. Uh, and she, was, she became very, very good friends. And then the one who's covered with that black hair covering, her name is Jeva here. She lost both her parents in the war in Syria. They both died. She was an orphan there in Syria. Then she moved to Turkey to live with her auntie. And then the earthquake happened and their home was destroyed. She got out with her life. But now she's living with her auntie out there. And she met our team and they prayed for her. And she said... For the first time, I feel like I'm, I'm meeting my mother again. She was just in floods of tears. The first time she's felt love or loved uh, since she lost her own parents. Uh, and then the last picture is what's actually a very new development for us out there because we're used to seeing Afghans and Iranians. We're used to seeing Syrian refugees. But now who's come? And this is in the same park, by the way, with uh, all the Syrians, the Ukrainians have now come, escaping the war, looking for a better life. They're coming to Turkey too. When the Taliban took over Kabul, 100,000 Afghans walked through the mountains and came into Turkey. And now we've also had 100,000 Ukrainians come on in as well. And what they're finding is not an easy life. We have 92% inflation. 
just transportation alone, the inflation was 120%. We're having economic challenges and unemployment higher than 20%, but the troubles around our nation are so strong that they're forced to come to Turkey. And I kind of feel like Vancouver, the nations are coming to our church. And I know the nations are coming to your church. And the question is, when the nations come to our city, when the nations come to our building, to our neighborhood, are we bringing the kingdom to those nations? Because Jesus is looking down and saying, are they going to fulfill in my time this commission of taking this gospel of the kingdom to the nations? How about the nation next door? Now, I want you all to come to Turkey. And some of you are coming. I know I'm looking forward to meeting you very soon. But how about just go to the nations right around you, the nations that you're surrounded by, and bring the kingdom. You carry that kingdom. And we can see lives transformed. The whole world wants to come to Canada. And now that we've been here, we can see why. It is a stunning country. It's beautiful. But if you talk to every one of those Syrians, if you talk to all the Afghans and all the Iranians and a whole bunch of Turks and you ask them, what do you want for life? They'll say, I want to go to Canada. I want to get out of this place. I want a new life. And if it's not Canada, they'll say the United States or Australia and then fourth, in fourth place, Europe. But they all want to come here. You guys are here. You guys are living in the promised land of our modern era. But you know what would make Canada even better than what it is? Is if we as a church live the kingdom and we carry the kingdom. And everybody who comes here, they don't just come for a better life, for a job or for finances. And to live in this amazing place, but they encounter the kingdom of our living God and he transforms them internally. And they get salvation, they get eternal life, but they get a life transformed here. Let's just read one more verse and then we're done. We know this very well, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. A lot of people move here for things. Isn't that true? for a job, for a career, for school, for a better life. But in Jesus' eyes, it's supposed to be the other way around. We seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And you know what? When you do that, when you prioritize it, like my dear friend Jordan and Zach, the other Canadian in, in the pictures, they've let go of Canada to go to the nations because they have a greater kingdom that they serve. And that kingdom compels them to go to the lost. And I know that God is going to take care of every other need that they have because of that. Could we stand up on our feet, please?